need to do a clap anymore. Nope. No. No, it's just one right there. All right. I was getting a mat, <laughs> but right now it's on the carpet. And to the Fargon Conclusion podcast covering every episode of the FX TV show Fargo. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Cody. And this week we'll be talking about Season 1, Episode 6, Buridan's Ass. Buridan's Ass? Buridan? We'll call it whatever. <laughs> uh, Cody, have you ever had a Turkish delight? <laughs> no, but I've heard it's terrible. <laughs> I have heard nothing but bad things except for in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah, I, I saw uh, binging with ba- with Babish make it once, and yeah, he says basically it just tastes like nothing. <laughs> yeah, and like Edmund left his whole like abandoned his whole family for like a nasty <laughs> candy treat dessert. I don't know. Well, that's what a wardrobe will do to you. All right, so this episode aired May twentieth, twenty fourteen, written by our. Showrunner Noah Hawley. We got Colin Buxey back as director for his second episode. And new cast. We got a few people from the Fargo mob in the intro. Yeah. Are they important, of, Cody? There's a, a, quite a few no names, I think. But they do make. They didn't seem all that important to me. There's the Australian guy. He sticks out. Yeah. <laughs> but you know. Um, and the only one that seemed to have any kind of relevance on IMDb was Mark Atchison, um, who was in, he was the mailroom guy in Elf. Is he the fish head guy? Wait, who, which one's he? Is it the, the fish, main one. Is it the fish head guy? Yeah. Okay. He was in Elf? <laughs> he was the mailroom guy. I think he gets really angry at Buddy and, okay, you yeah. know, and you think it's going to go really bad. Yeah, um... He, you know, he definitely has some significance because I think, from what it seems like, is he's the head of the Fargo mob, yeah, or at least a high-ranking member. I, I'm very curious about these like official organizations in the show. Yeah, like what's what's going on with with them? And you know, like Lauren is so good in this episode. I'm just thinking <laughs> it's a shame that the mob didn't get him on their team. Yeah, you know, if they teamed up, if, if they got him on the payroll, it would be beneficial for them, but, you know. <laughs> okay, I guess it's a better dive in, break down the episode. Yeah, sure. Let's get into what Mr. Tripoli is doing. So the opening shot is all fish. And Similar there's... to the computer background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except real life fish this time, and uh, there's a... A fish that is, you know, plucked from the aquarium, killed, scaled, fried and sauced, and it's a. It seems like kind of a fancy bow tie restaurant. They're in the back room. Is the fish a metaphor for someone? Who would it be? I don't know. Lester's been kind of. I mean that it did get a hammer to the head. <laughs> I see what you're saying. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, you know, as you're describing the process of what happens to the fish, I'm just thinking like. Yeah, and especially afterwards when when he when he scales his wife. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's the Fargo mob. They're having a meeting. Yeah, what what's his name, Mister Tripoli? 
Tripoli? Yeah, he seems kind of insatiable at the at the head of the table, and he's just really just stuffing his face all gross-like. I was expecting something, like, weird to be in the fish. I don't know why. <laughs> just thought that was going to come up. And uh, he really creepily just says, Sam Hiss. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the whole table, which, you know, they were all conversating, you know, immediately goes quiet. Conversing. Conversating? Con- conversing? Conversing. Did I, did I say, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was close. That's what counts. Um, and the Australian man explains... Um, it may be an extramarital issue of his, you know, which, you know, I mean, that is a, that would have been a logical excuse being that he was having sex with a prostitute or a, a stripper at the time. Yeah. Do they mean that it was someone outside of his marriage or that Addison Montgomery killed like Sam because of the extramarital affairs? I suppose it could have been either. Maybe like she had hired the hitman. Okay. You know, or something like that. And, um, Mr. Tripoli said, uh, you know, he demands whoever it be, be dead. And he says, not apprehend, dead. Don't care, extramarital. Don't care, not related. Kill and be killed. Head in a bag. There's the message. For a Neanderthal, kind yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. He didn't learn his grammar. Yeah. And he proceeds to make out with a fish head as the table returns to their business talk. Um... So that's a fun little opening scene with the, uh, that's pretty much our introduction to the Fargo mob as actual people. Yeah. Not just, not just being mentioned. And I assume they come up in different ways throughout. I think they do in season two. Is it the Fargo mob or is it, Um, oh, that's Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City. I don't know. There's a bunch of different factions throughout the, okay, throughout the seasons. Um, and we cut to (laughs) the good old Don Chump and he's sleeping in his pantry. I didn't see any um, excrement in there, which I'm happy about. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't want to see that. (laughs) I did. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so he's sleeping. Oh, yeah, and he's like, he's like, he's dreaming and he's welcoming ladies to his Turkish delight, which is funny. And Lauren starts in screaming. Turkish delight is a good name for a Turkish bath, though. I suppose, but I mean, he's naming, he's just naming it after dessert. I would assume that that you could uh, get like a happy ending at this spa based on that name, though. <laughs> but it's supposed to be for women, so is Don Chump giving out happy endings? That seems. I bet he would. That seems worse somehow, but maybe that's just <laughs> sexist. Double standard. <laughs> um, and so yeah. And Lauren, uh, he lets him out. Don says his trust, his trust may have been broken in the night. Lauren says it's time to make the call. And uh, he has a couple large bags on the ground. And Don notices all the paper all over the windows, and Lauren hands him the dialed phone. And uh, do you want to read this, the little script he gives him? Yeah. This is read to Stavros over the phone with the uh, voice modulator. Once upon a time, there was a little boy. He was born in a field and raised in the woods. And he had nothing. In the winter, the boy would freeze, and in the summer, he would boil. He knew the name of every stinging insect. At night, he would look at the lights in the houses, and he would want. Why was he outside and they in? Why was he so hungry and they fed? It should be me, he said, and out of the darkness, the wolves came, whispering. Nice and creepy. 
And uh, yeah, if I was if I was strung out on on, on amphetamines, I'd probably, you know, that would yeah. scare me. <laughs> I feel like he, yeah, he's so susceptible to being like weirded out or freaked out mm. by by these different things. And Lauren's really just picking. Yeah, he, he, he he's creepy. He's good at it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so and the, I think he just ends it off saying the Gustafson parking garage is the meeting point, and Stavros agrees. For uh, the money exchange, of course, you know, Lauren just being the nice guy that he is, and just, you know, just as a request, asks Don to grab one of the duffel bags. Well, knocks him unconscious. Do you remember what he knocked him unconscious with? Was it like a pan? Yeah, I didn't see what it was. It was something hard. <laughs> Might have been like the phone even, I don't know. Yeah. They were near the phone. Just something hard enough to get him down. Yeah. And then I think we hear the radio talking about... Uh, how bad this storm is going to be. Blizzard-like oh, yeah. conditions. Yeah, that's... They really sit, stress no driving. Don't <laughs> go in a car and drive somewhere. Meanwhile, Molly's driving. <laughs> yeah, and so and she's she's meeting Gus at this it's at the stairwell of his apartment, I believe, right? And he's t- he's talking to her about, and they're talking about the encounter that uh, his neighbor had with Lorne. They run the. I think they. I think Molly had ran the plate and found out it was a Phoenix Farms um, company car that he was in when he threatened Gus's neighbor. That seems like a little slip up from yeah, Lorne. Well, well, I'm 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 betting that Lorne wasn't expecting you know the Jewish neighbor to be like right up on his ass. When he was <laughs> or he just wasn't expecting Gus. Molly Salverson to step in that and too. jump on the case because yeah. if if it was up to Gus, there would be no leads from this. No, not at all. <laughs> You've just been upstairs eating cheeseburgers and chicken nuggets with yep. Greta, and so that's a yeah that's a that is a pretty solid slip up. And yeah, now now they have a connection to Phoenix Farms, to Lorne, being out in front of Gus's house, and uh, we cut over to uh, what's Lester up to, and uh, Gary Valentine, good old Gary Valentine's there, yep, Kevin watching. James' cousin, just watching the door. Lester's bunk bunkmates having a really bad time, <laughs> covered in bandages, and this whole this whole plot for Lester is just you know flying by the seat of his pants. I love it. So chaotic. <laughs> yeah. So stressful. I was just worried the entire time, and he you know so much of it was just luck yeah. that he didn't get caught doing any of those things. If if I didn't love this show as much as I did as much as I do, I would be like that's. That's that's bullshit, you know. That that's there's no way he got away with that. But you know what? I accept it. <laughs> he does some really like interesting planning, you know, like mm-hmm. making sure the clothes are in the bed and everything. Like it's like, oh, is he putting those there as a like a, a potential body, mm-hmm. and he can sneak out? But then the plan ends up being like better than I expected. So yeah. he's he's learning. I feel like he's evolving into more of a Lorne. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, comes again at the end, which we can talk about when we get there, but... He's, he's really accepting the fact that he's just a piece of shit now. <laughs> yeah, I think previously, like, maybe he... Him trying to be a good person is just boring. And he's really lucky that Mr. Creech didn't move the whole time he was gone. <laughs> I am worried about what he will say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If, uh, if it comes down to that. So, yeah, Lester's looking at his roommate... And um, 
the nurse, he hears the nurse say she would return and take him to radiology in 10 minutes. So he has 10 minutes to do all this shit too. So he's like really rushing and he's, he covers his face in bandages. Um, he puts the man in, in his bed, takes the man's, takes the man's clothes Puts him in his bed. He covers his own face. Wait, hold on. I wrote this down all silly. I don't think we need to cover, like, the (laughs) beat by beat, though. Okay. If you want to just talk broadly about what happens in that 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 scene. The nurse comes in and pulls the bed out with Lester in it. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, just leaves him in the hallway. um, Which, you know, I guess, you know, that happens in the hospital. It's typical if you're waiting. Yeah. Hops up, puts on the jacket and the scarf and the boots, and takes off. Um, I think, did he take, did he take the bandages off there? Do you remember? Yeah, he did. And he ran into the, um, doctor's lounge to grab some keys. Oh yeah, he stole a car. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so that's, see, again, just gangster moves. Like, man, just stealing a doctor's car to do your shit. I feel like, yeah, this is the first time in Lester's life that he's felt alive. Yeah. (laughs) Coming into his own. Um... Yeah, cause think about all the years before, before he killed Pearl, just what a sad sack he was. Yeah, <laughs> and just really, time. really incompetent, really bad at mm-hmm. everything. And not that he's super skilled here, but he's at least you know making plans and doing things. Nobody's rolling him onto a highway in a barrel right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, we see him take off in the car, and uh, we go back to Gus and Molly, Phoenix Farms. That. Clerk. Yeah, this, yeah, this is just some great dry Midwestern humor. Yeah, and then they're like, all right, we'll go to the back and yeah. see. And they just stand there, yeah. quiet. And just I would it. absolutely leave, too. Yeah. I would be like, all right. Just I'm, zombies. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> did, yeah. you, did, you, did that ever happen to you when you worked at a grocery store? Like, that people would just kind of stand there and wait? Like, not really engage? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm... Yeah, working at Albertsons for five years. I mean, yeah, just people, any sort of customer service. I mean, it's just dealing with mailman questions. Do you think that Gus Grimley would have been a good mailman based on your mailman experience? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah? I do. I I do. I think that's a much better job for him. It's a bummer that he he ended up as a police officer. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you know, and we can all realize our dream one day. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I also like how they, uh, you know, they met. You know, the cashier is like, "Oh, is this about the locusts?" Yeah. And Molly's just like, "What?" <laughs> what are you, you know, I'm a little disappointed, Molly, for not digging deeper on that, because I feel like she would have. Could have, you know, followed up if she asked a few more questions. But that would have just been a whole nother can of worms. Or a whole, a whole nother can of locusts. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, that's just the whole thing. Like, that's a, another road that just... She's, she's got to focus, you know? <laughs> and, um... So, uh... You know, they don't get really any inf- any information because nobody's there. Because Stavros and Semenko and everybody is out doing their doing their thing. And uh, Gus thinks at this point that maybe Lester and Malvo had colluded. Molly leaves her card, and they head out to get some coffee. Mmm, coffee. They could have been so great together. But. But what? I don't know what you're talking about. 
Gus had to be a bad police officer. They're going to ride off into the sunset together. Um, (laughs) After that, we check in with Stavros. And um, he's... He goes to the parking garage, and I think I think he is on the he ends up on the top floor, and he's just waiting there, right? Yeah. Um, is that snow, like flashes. Yeah, I think it's and it's it's pretty cool how they do this scene because the snow is really coming down outside. It's almost a complete whiteout, and yeah, the flashes are of him in reverse digging up the money. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. I like how they did that because you know that's an amphetamine thought. I think. <laughs> And, um, well, and it definitely is a good way to show us like what he's thinking and what's mm-hmm. going on with going through his messed out brain. Yeah, <laughs> gets a call from Semenko, who's in some super cool Long Johns. The coolest. <laughs> that looks like a nice little cabin too. Yeah, I'd stay there in a, in a snowstorm if there's enough firewood. Yeah, you don't want to just for like a night or two. I'm not saying I want to live there. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good uh, like safe. Safe house kind yeah. of place. Yeah, out in the middle of nowhere. Semenko says uh, Dimitri's getting restless there. And I, it's at this point that Savros kind of says he knows what he needs to do. And he tells Semenko to bring Dimitri home. Great idea. Yes, perfect. And uh, Stavros ends up leaving the parking lot. He has this goofy exchange with the uh, attendant. Where, yeah. uh, you know, he says... Because yeah, the, the Lord demands it. The Lord demands it. Your Lord demands yeah. it, which is even better. <laughs> yeah, does he ask him if he's a Christian or something like that? Yeah. And uh, the guy's confused, and he's like, he just he just wants $2. Come on, you have a suitcase full of a million bucks. Give him two bucks. I, I was kind of <laughs> hoping that he would give a couple of dollars from the, like, the suitcase yeah. or whatever, and then he would be wondering if he, like... Oh, if he messed met. up by like not giving all of it back. Oh, that would have been. You know what? That would have been such a. Good, oh, that would have been a good plot point for when later. You know that yeah. later scene. <laughs> He's like, I did give all the money back. <laughs> oh, that would have been funny. Um, and the guy opens the gate because the Lord demanded it. Mm-hmm. So hey, he got his way. And then we're back with Gus and Molly again. Gus is talking about how butthurt he is about how Lorne is so two faced. <laughs> or is he talking about Lorne or Lester? I think it's. I think it's Lorne. Given that I don't think he's interacted directly with Lester. Oh, yeah, huh? You're right, yeah. But it's interesting, he says, when a dog goes rabid, right? There's no mistaking it for a normal dog. (laughs) Here we are. We're supposed to be, you know, us people. We're supposed to know better. So it's just interesting that he's frustrated with, like, how good criminals can be Mm -hmm. at being criminals. Um, which again is a sign that he's probably in the wrong, (laughs) wrong field. If he just expected them to be, like, Foaming at the mouth with a yeah. knife in their hand. He's like, oh, but, that person does murders. But he, And he's so used to being the dog catcher that that's his metaphor. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's Poor all Gus we can think about. Man. And, um, yeah, and so, and, let's see, so, she says, I think Molly says it must be hard to live in this world if you believe that, right? Yeah. But, you know, True. And, uh, man, and we're cutting to the demise of Mr. Chump. Yeah. This is so, this is such a crazy plan. It's so creepy oh and, God. like, disturbing, and I just feel so bad for him. Glenn Howerton plays it so good, too. Yeah. He seems so frightened, and I mean, fuck it, it wouldn't be. It's so traumatizing. <laughs> and he's, yeah, he wakes up, he's gagged and bound to, to I, what, do you know what that thing is? That it's, it's like, 
It, it seemed like a stationary bike. Is it? Okay. Or, you know, some other type of Weird exercise. <laughs> I was thinking maybe he could rock himself over on it, but maybe Lauren, like, had it, you know, take That's what I was wondering. I feel like you could probably throw yourself off of something like that. At least but... tip over. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know Lauren if that would probably... help him all that much. Yeah, Lauren probably, probably thought of it, too, you know. And, um, yeah, so he wakes up. Lauren ejects a couple of shells out of a shotgun. And he says he thought about it and the 60-40 thing doesn't work for him. Just being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so there's newspaper all over the windows. Lauren peels it back a little bit, sees some people walking by. And, um, he walks over, duct tapes the shotgun into, I mean, I guess into his hands, or at least what... Yeah, because he's holding it, right, I think. Yeah. By the trigger. And, um, he says in case Stavros calls, he wants the cops to be busy doing something else, and this is the something else. <laughs> they're, too bu- they're too busy to respond, I think. Yeah. Oh, and he, yeah, and he says it in two parts. He goes, he says, that's part one, and then part two is, have you ever had Turkish Delight? It's disgusting. <laughs> We should have got some Turkish Delight and tried it on the podcast for some good... Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> How do, where, would you, where do you even get Turkish Delight? I don't think I've ever seen it anywhere. I have not. Probably the internet, though. Yeah, you can order it. We can make it. Genji with Babish did it. <laughs> it seems like a lot of work to eat something that is like supposedly a, very disgusting. Your little jelly, jelly square. Um... Oh yeah, and, and of course you know do, you know he tapes the, sh- the shotgun into his hands, and uh, stands right in front of it. And of course Don tries to shoot. And he says, "What does he say?" He says, uh, "Um, it that's okay. I'd be insulted if you didn't yeah. try." <laughs> Lauren's such a dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, he goes. Yeah, so he goes to the window with the. Um, I don't know what kind of gun that is. I think it's like an AR or something. Some yeah. AR, M4, probably an AR. Something with a scope on it, right? Yeah. And there is a scary moment where he, where he aims at people for a second, and then he decides not yeah, to. Yeah, I really thought that he might just... Shoot somebody. Shoot some people, but... Just kind of random, random shots. He shoots at the side of a car. I was wondering, it almost seemed like he was writing something with the bullets. Yeah, wouldn't that be funny? Yeah, and I was like, oh, please tell me they're going to pan out. But I don't know what he would write. Turkish delight. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, Don's like writhing and moaning and just, you know, freaking out, of course. And uh, Lauren has his police scanner, so he hears the call for the shots fired, grabs his bags, and exits out the back door. Does he take a stolen car? I believe so. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah, of course. Sorry, I'm thinking Lorne. I don't know why. So Lester takes the stolen car back to uh, his house, first of all, heads to the basement. And I think he notices that the um, washing sure. machine was moved, so I think he knows that Molly was there. Yeah. Which, brilliantly, I think, you know, he pulls down the poster, and that's where he, and where he had smashed his head into the wall. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about what... A damage would be done to the wall yeah. <laughs> from that, but that, you know, perfectly tracks. Yep, makes sense. And yeah, I, I like that reveal, because, you know, you, the whole time, you, you know, especially when Molly was digging in the back, you're like, oh, she's going to find the hammer, fuck. I just, I'm surprised that Molly didn't, like, when she saw the poster, I'm pretty sure she looked at it. Mm-hmm. 
and there's blood on the poster mm -hmm. in a very specific like circle and i i don't know i just feel like she would have put that together like yeah wait a second did the head injury you know come from that and then she would have pulled that down you know and it also seems... also nitpicking is if he made that hole in the wall with his head wouldn't it have broken through the poster too mm. but whatever I'm, well i guess i guess one thing that could have been the case is that it like broke the wall a little and then he was able to like oh maybe pulled it down and just actually broke yeah. it out himself yeah mm. and used Use his murder weapon, so... Look at you, filling plot holes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so he gets the hammer out, and he rifles through some boxes and finds some Pearl, some of Pearl's glamour shots. Which, you know, she's looking hot in those. Oof. She looked, uh, she looked pretty good. <laughs> I get why, uh, I get why Sam Hess got a, got a tug job from her back in the day. And he goes through the laundry laundry basket and finds a pair of underwears. Really yeah. nice shade of uh, beige. Hot. Did you guess what he was going to do with that the first time you... No. No, did you? No. Were you just like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, um, <laughs> I don't think I had any guesses as to why he would want, want those photos. <laughs> um... Although the underwear did sort of feel like, okay, you're going to put that somewhere, like... So you haven't seen the next episode yet, right? No. Okay, so, okay. Um, I think and then we're in Chaz's house now, yeah? Um, Sneaking in. Well, we just cut to the nurse really quick. Oh. And she notices that Mr. Creech is gone, you know, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. She just kind of searches around for him. Which, you know, I, I thought this was going to turn into, you know, this was going to fuck his plan up. But, yeah, she just kind of... He's like, oh, Mr. Creech, where are you? Oh, weird. Hmm. I could Stop. see, I could see, like, wondering, you know, like, oh, this patient was in this bed. Maybe they got moved to another bed. Yeah. Or they got to, like, go, because, I mean. Wandered off. Like, go to the bathroom or, you yeah. know, Mr. something. Mr. Creech so, does have feet. <laughs> well, yeah, he's not, like, totally, like, paralyzed or anything. Um, so, it seems reasonable that she wouldn't be like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. There's something nefarious afoot man he's so lucky that mr creech didn't move though <laughs> but yeah so then we yeah then we had the chads Ch chad chaz's house and lester lets himself in through the garage i guess he knows the garage code makes sense yep. family um and gets into chaz's gun cabinet which you know <laughs> all he has is just the key on the top you know Nice and doesn't, secure. Doesn't really make sense to have it all locked up if it's... Yeah. <laughs> the key's right there. Key there. But Midwest, I mean, you know, people don't lock their doors and shit like that, places like that. Yeah. But... It, I guess it just... I mean, I guess it keeps his kid out because his kid's tiny. Yeah. So it's at least a little bit more, like, child-proof than, than, like, leaving it unlocked and, you know, someone is, could act, like, open it up and guns falling out mm -hmm. or something. Like, I feel like... That could happen more easily. Yeah. It is a lot of guns, though, to just have a key right there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he opens it up, and he opens up the back part with with the illegal gun. Which but, is so cool. Yeah. I love the way that opens That is up. a pretty rad gun cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, if only I had some weapons to yeah. put in a You need to start buying guns. Yeah. Build up your gun collection, and then you can get one of those. Those things are probably so fucking expensive, those gun cabinets. I bet, yeah. But, you know, Chaz, of course, he's... 
hoity-toity. Um, and he leaves the hammer, the pictures, and the underwear. And um, he note notices a photo photo of Chaz and his wife and his son on the wall. And you think maybe for a second he's going to <laughs> not follow through with framing his brother. Yeah, he's going to feel bad. Yeah, for a half a second. <laughs> and then he does something even worse. Yeah. <laughs> Goes back into the cabinet. Which I still don't know what the function of that part is for, but I guess. Well, you know, should just, I know? Just picking on the kid. Just picking on him. Yeah. So he he, see, he grabs a revolver. He does he does open it up to make sure that it's empty, which is nice in a way. <laughs> At least he's giving him an empty gun. <laughs> Oh, maybe it's so people look in the gun locker, right? Maybe. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, n people might wouldn't necessarily know about the gun locker mm -hmm. and wouldn't have reason to go in there. Okay. Now you're thinking. Good job, Lester. <laughs> so, and he, he goes into Gord Gord Gordo? Gordon? Gordo. I think Gordo. Gordo's room, and he sticks the gun in his backpack. He does wipe it clean of his prints with his cool little scarf that he has. Um, and yeah, Kit and Kitty and Gordo return while he's there. <laughs> this is a great scene, too, where yeah, he's trying to sneak out. Kitty wanders off, and Gordo's making a snack or something. Yeah. And Lester's walking down the stairs, and Gordo just turns around. They just make eye contact. And you think for a second, you're like, ah, oh, shit, he got caught. But Nope. Gordo's artistic, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm waiting on all these people who aren't saying anything to, like, <laughs> say something about Lester eventually. <laughs> but uh, how much is that even going to matter? He's a lucky man. Yeah. Now he's a lucky man. And yeah, so he just sneaks out the front door, takes off, and it's snowing like crazy. And we're cutting back to Gus and Molly. And uh, Gus kind of, Gus retells the story of, uh, I think he's telling Molly this, the rabbi's story about the guy giving everything away. Yeah, so, um, she says, so this fellow gives away all his money and a kidney and then he kills himself? And Gus, <laughs> Gus goes, that's what he said, my neighbor. <laughs> and she's like, why did the fellow just go work for a charity? <laughs> Which is a very good question. So, you know, all the paradoxes and shit in this show. I mean, just Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing makes sense. I like that one, though. That was a good one. That I like that story from the rabbi. Cause yeah. Because at least, it, you know, I, I understood it's, it. It's a good parable, and I really like kind of the almost bastardization of it mm -hmm. in the retelling to yeah. Molly, where, you know, she's just like, huh, that doesn't really make any sense. But in the moment, it's like, oh, this is something to think yeah. about. <laughs> Oh man, and yeah, and this is where they have the conversation about uh, uh, the post office, and Gus admits he didn't think he'd grow up to be a cop, and uh, he says, you know, he'd, let, he'd like to see the same people every day, bring presents, checks, and be part of a community. Oh shit. I didn't silence my phone, I'm unprofessional. Thanks. And up here real quick, since we are... Okay. Cut some stuff out here. Then I'll answer the phone. Hey, Ma. What's up? Yeah, I'm over at Tom and Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. Okay.
All right. All right. Bye. Hmm. Yeah, it's on here. Okay. So where were we? Um, Gus wants to be a mailman. Okay. So yeah. Um. um, 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 um. Oh yeah. So yeah. And um. And we learned about Greta's mom. Did we? Just that she she passed. Oh. Um. Nothing. Nothing more than that. But I don't think we knew that before. Right? Yeah. Um. But I knew that because you can't have a single father who <laughs> left his wife. <laughs> then that makes him look bad. <laughs> yeah, and um, I guess the oh, and he says the reason he what he didn't work for the USPS was because there was a hiring freeze at the time. So he applied for the police force instead. Do you, do you feel did you feel like you can, resonated with that, like getting screwed over by <laughs> the goddamn post office. By the post office because of just their like yeah, hiring needs. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck post office. Anyway. <laughs> um, that, at that point that's uh, when some cops go racing by. Yeah. And they think, yeah, they're going to, they're going to the chump residence. And that's when we switch to uh, the police who are responding to the call with the shots that Lauren fired. Yeah. Lieutenant Schmidt's there. And he's kind of leading the charge. Gets on a, what are those called? Megaphone? Megaphone. I was going to say bullhorn. Mm. Is that another word for it? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I mean, he gets on a megaphone and he calls for the perp or perps to come out of the house or they'll start blasting. And um, he sends in, I think it's the SWAT team. It looks like a SWAT team. Yeah, and, you know, I was like, how is this work going to work? Because, like, <laughs> once they get into the house, they'll see what's going on. But Lauren <laughs> thought of that. Yep. <laughs> every, every part where I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. How's this possibly going to work out? But nope, tripwire. The tripwire. Connected to the uh, rifle. So, start shooting again. And uh, I, I think at that point, the police just light up the whole house. Yeah. Throw the... Well, they light, they light up the house and we get reaction shots of Dawn. And they somehow miss Dawn the whole time. It's They're just shooting just blindly into the house. And, um... I bet the door is probably like the thickest part. Yeah. <laughs> of of that anyway, so maybe that's how he. Yeah. And then yeah, so Schmidt calls for a ceasefire. And then sends him in again, and they'd missed the tripwire this time. Either that, or maybe the rifle ran out of ammo. One of the two. Maybe once it's tripped, it's tripped. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I've know. never set up a tripwire myself. Hmm. And. Uh, <laughs> And so, yeah, that's when they break the window and they throw in a flashbang. And, um, I don't know, um, I mean, he's very well backlit when they, when they bust open the door. Like, it's very bright behind them, so all they see is the shadowy figure of him. It's so well shot. Yeah. I really love the way that that scene goes. And yeah, they shoot they shoot the fuck out of him. They shoot at him so many times and like And he doesn't die. I mean, they have they have like one 
one person there that they can see. There obviously could be more, mm -hmm. but there's so many police officers in SWAT gear, <laughs> and they just go in there immediately, and they're like, oh, we better just take as many shots of this dude as we possibly can. I guess it makes sense in a way because if, like, it's just a guy, like, if he, like, if it was a guy actually standing with a shotgun and they shot him, generally they'd fall down, right? So being that he's just standing there, standing there, quote unquote. Yeah, okay, okay. I can see. Like, he's not going down. <laughs> but I think that, I feel like they get close enough to, like, see what's going on pretty quickly. Like, you take a couple steps in, it seems like they could see that. No one's looking through the rest of the house. Like, there, there are, like, six dudes there, and they're like, we all got to take shots at this guy. Yeah. When, like, one of them, or two even, could have been like, all right, we got this one, search the house. So, again, bad police officering. Well, you know. But it's also in slow-mo. That's kinda. true. So maybe but it's there are still, he has, like... 20 bullet wounds in his uh, in his chest. And I I just oh and also right before the right before the uh, flashbang goes off, he's able to get the tape off his mouth. Uh, and he says, and goes, Wait. Yeah, he goes, Way. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Good timing. And that wasn't gonna do anything anyway, but Yeah. And yeah, we finally see him slumped over and there's blood just Ugh. pouring. <laughs> I feel so bad for that character. Yeah, That's fuck terrible. Him. Turkish delight. <laughs> he just wanted to open a spa, like. <laughs> oh God, yeah, great scene though, great scene. Yeah, I mean, poor yeah, poor Don Chump, but yeah, what a way to go. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so Lauren's driving in the snow, and he's listening, and he hears, you know, suspect is down on the radio, and turns off his police scanner. And uh, there's a car in front of him, and a car behind him in the snow. So, you know, that Don Chump thing, that was the last action-packed scene of the episode. Yeah, for sure. This is all just boring from here on out. I really thought that was going to be the end of the episode. Yeah? I thought multiple times we were done. <laughs> I, I know, like, oh. it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is an intense episode. Yes. So, um, and the two cars uh, box him in, and, uh, you know, he rams in the back of one. The other rams into him. And wrench and numbers both jump out with some crazy ass fucking automatic rifles. This is this is a really good moment for them. Yeah. Like they were working as a team. They really like made this happen in such a like quick <laughs> manner. And I was so hopeful that they were going to be able to uh, stand up to Lauren Malvo in a more like Do you think they were gonna get him? I thought they would go further <laughs> let's just put it that way i thought that they would and they didn't even touch him they got him initially like that yeah, was good that was surprised good him. and he and when they slammed into his, his gun you know went flying so he didn't have his weapon immediately but you know why i think that that numbers ended up getting caught hmm. by him because they weren't he wasn't working with wrench yeah. only when they're a stuck team, together you know just stuck together they split up bad yeah. move but yeah, so, um, yeah, they jump out, and, uh... It's when Molly shows up, Molly and Gus. Oh, not quite, well, first of all, you know, they blast up the car, which, Jesus Christ, you know, they, they literally unload on him and, and miss him, and they, similar to Don Chump, they just miss all their shots <laughs> yeah. on the first go. And, um, Lauren's able to get his, 
does actually no, he doesn't even get his gun, I don't think. And he jumps he out. He just the, has a knife. Yeah, initially. he jumps out the passenger side and goes and hides behind some other car. Yeah. It's kind of I'm, I'm, it's kind of hard to track where they go because the the snow and everything. Which is also very yeah. interesting, like way that the scenes are shot yeah. and like people coming in and out of focus. Yeah, everything's a complete white out. It's like lit really interestingly as well. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, and then they both you know circle around the back of the car where Lauren was, How and he's gone. It's <laughs> crazy. And uh, Lauren's wandering off. And uh, he decides to he takes his knife and ooh that fucking cut yeah and he cuts his wrist right here on the on the top of it yeah leaves a blood trail and yeah wrench is just fucking off somewhere who knows where he went and numbers finds the trail of blood and uh, just like Lauren wanted you to and we and uh, ends up following it to a door and I don't remember exactly how is it like. Lauren ends up hiding around the corner or something. Yeah, there's like um, I don't even know what you would call it. Almost, An inlet. Yeah, the door is like inside of something, so there's like a wall almost, like it's just an open door frame. So yeah, it's like tucked behind it. And does he? And he comes around and stabs him in the side, right? Yeah, quite a few stabs with that knife, but I think he gets the gun pretty quickly too, doesn't he? Yeah, and, oh, yeah, and, like, Numbers, like, shoots it off into the air, but Lauren grabs it, so he's able to control it. Mm. And I guess, and I, I bet getting stabbed in the side, you kind of lose yeah. your strength. <laughs> so. I've never been stabbed in the side, so it's really hard to say. Yeah, but. and he, he, he's got him on his knees, he's got control of the gun, and he's asking who sent them, and he's twisting the knife. Ugh. And, um... You know, I'm kind of surprised that Numbers gave it up, because, obviously, like, you're gonna die. Lauren's gonna kill you. Yeah. But he gives up the fact that Fargo sent them. And we get a really nice throat slit on yeah. Mr. Numbers. I think I might have been afraid that this person would resort to, like... Torture, torture. Torture, yeah. Like, I don't know. If you're in that industry, you know? But maybe, you could, like, he could have been like, Hey, Rhett. Well, no, he couldn't call for Wrench because he's deaf. I know. I was really wondering about how bad that would be for Wrench. <laughs> I assumed that he was near Molly when when Gus shot, shoots her. Um, but I don't, I don't know, obviously. But that's what my assumption was. That I thought we were going to see him oh, over fuck. there. Because she does say something, doesn't she? Molly? Yeah. Yeah, um, so... Yeah, so we get the throat slit. And, uh... You know, he falls to the ground, Lauren grabs his gun, and he heads off, and we just see him disappear into the whiteout. And Gus and Molly find numbers on the ground, and <laughs> checks his pulse, even though he's, like, in a pool of blood. <laughs> he, and so Gus goes, I don't think he's alive. <laughs> yeah. They're, like, uncertainty of that. <laughs> God. And, um, Molly just, yeah, as Gus is dealing, like, checking out Miss checking out numbers molly just takes off yeah and which again is bad we saw what happens when you split again up. yes you're right you're right <laughs> and uh gus you can tell that he, he has like fear in his eyes all of a sudden he's just like oh <laughs> molly and um yeah he hears molly say something like you know stop a police officer or something like that but if she has found mr wrench he can't hear her 
either. Yeah. <laughs> and, a, you know, a, a shot rings out. Yeah, she says, freeze, police officer. And then... And then there's gunshots. Yeah, two shots, I think, right? Halt. And then... And then it, it, Gus has his gun up. <laughs> and yells, halt. And, uh... Down goes Molly Salverson. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen to this police force after... Without Molly, like... Poor Lou. That was my first thought. Yeah. Lou, no, your only daughter. <laughs> and he was trying so hard to get her not shot during mm -hmm. this season. Tried to get her to be a waitress. He tried to do get her to do something else too, but I don't remember what it was. And yeah, he uh yeah, so Molly's face down on the ground. And now you think the episode's over, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, so and we just get like a you know, the camera just kinda pans out with Gus sitting over Molly's body. And so, and then we cut to Samanko driving Dimitri in the whiteout as the radio's again saying stay off the roads. And, uh, Stavros is, and we cut to Stavros and he drives to the place where he originally found the money and he goes and he buries it again. And he puts the ice scraper right back where it was and he looks to the skies for some, like, divine sign. <laughs> Um, back to Samanko and Dimitri, and, uh, what do you think about this? How? <laughs> How did the fish, like, is there a possibility of, like, any type of storm, stormnado, like, a hurricane or whatever that could, like, catapult a bunch of fish into the air, or is it our, you know, supernatural event? I looked this up. And this is apparently something that actually happens sometimes. <laughs> Where in, like, major storms, which is what they're in, sometimes there will be, like, some crazy either gusts of wind or, like, yeah, like a tornado thing that forms over a body of water. And it seriously just, like, sucks up a bunch of fish and stuff. <laughs> and they just go flying. The water would have, like, you know... Uh, the water would have frozen froze, in the air. yeah. And the fish are just, like... The fuck? <laughs> Damn. It's... I was like, how did Lorne make this happen? <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah, my Lorne first thought it. is like, Lorne, how are you so good at this? Lorne hired and a pi <laughs> pilot to dump a bunch of fish. <laughs> I was thinking of like a catapult, you know, like a giant catapult. The got it like set up on the other side of the trees. Yeah, no, I, I remember when I first saw this, I was just like, bullshit. What the fuck is this? Yeah. But this also kind of comes back to, um, I... I, I don't I don't really want to spoil it now because I want to talk about it as the seasons go on. But I feel like I think I might have mentioned it before. But I feel like each season has like a supernatural element to it. Yeah. And I do kind of feel like this season has like a divine, you know, because you know there's there's a lot rooted in that. Yeah. And so it does have a lot of things like involved in that. And obviously season two has. Yeah, and I think I mean you can kind of maybe see how there'd be a logical explanation for some of these things, but it doesn't have to be. You mm -hmm. can, like, kind of choose to believe, but you don't have to. Yeah. Like, the story isn't dependent on <laughs> you believing in magic. Yeah. Fish falling from the sky. <laughs> That's so crazy, though. Yeah. And the the way that the sound design of them hitting the car yeah. and... <laughs> oh. 
And yeah. I, and immediately I was like, I can't wait for Stavros to see this shit. Oh God, yeah. Of course, it's on the same road that he's driving on. I kind of wish. I kind of would have liked to have seen him react to them falling. The fish. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think he would have driven off the road because he would have like started praying or something. Like that would have been wild. But we we oh, mostly get that. But he's got to you know. Yeah. Check and in so, on his. And son. God damn it! And so yeah. And the, and I think actually right before the fish start falling, the weather kind of clears up for them. Yeah. And yeah, the, the, and the car skids off the road. And, uh... <laughs> oh, you know, I think he does... does. I think Stavros might actually get hit by some of the fish. Or maybe he just runs away. I think he's driving into yeah. them. And uh, he stops the car and he sees... Samanko in the middle of the, like, in a snow pile, just dead on the ground. I kind of love how, how he goes straight for Dimitri. And, like, he says, like, tell the kid I love him earlier. And, like, I just feel like there's a, a decent amount of, like, father, fatherly affection there. <laughs> it's just cute. It's just nice. Yeah, and especially because, you know, in most of the scenes we see them together, he kind of he treated him like shit earlier, you know? Yeah, he doesn't seem to necessarily respect him, and you could... He's a fucking goof. I think that maybe he would consider his son, like, expendable, but he I don't think he does. Well, I mean... <laughs> doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Does not matter anymore. And yeah, so he bursts into tears when he sees Dimitri, and he, he yells at this guy. He goes, I gave it back. And that pan-out <laughs> shot of, yeah. of him is really good. And so we find the final shot of the episode is we do get to see Lester sneak back into the hospital, put his gauze back on, wheeled, he's wheeled back in, and um, somehow switches, you know, and he's just sitting in his bed and uh, get a little stupid smile on his face. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why are we, why are we in this scene? And then, and I love that it's just like the slightest smirk. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is lending to my theory that this is, like, he has come alive. Mm -hmm. This has, like, activated him as a human being, which is, you know, sad that you have to murder someone for this to happen, <laughs> uh, but... It's kind of like a Walter White vibe, you know, like, at the end of Breaking Bad. Yeah. He's like, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's so proud of himself right now, mm -hmm. and he's getting a thrill from, from sneaking around. God damn it. Um, but I, I don't think that things are going to end up well for him. So yeah, that was a lot of episode. Yeah. <sighs> do you want to do the <laughs> trivia? I, I guess. I hope we stop getting <laughs> paradoxes at some point here. We're not. All right. Um, the title refers to a paradox in philosophy. Burden's ass is a hypothetical donkey who is equally hungry and thirsty. Placed equidistance between a bale of hay and a pail of water, the ass cannot make a rational decision about which to choose and dies of hunger and thirst. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that... I get that a little bit. Do we see... Is that Lester? No? Um... Stavros, maybe. maybe. I feel like he does make a choice, though. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know who that would be. Write in at uh, Fargo... What's the email? <laughs> <laughs> you 
think it's Fargon Pod at Fargon Conclusion Pod at gmail.com. <laughs> Who's Buridan's ass? I'm saying Buridan. You can say Buridan all you want. Buridan. Buridan. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who uh, who really fits fits in with sort of that lack of choice. But I guess there's plenty of people in the show that are kind of hungry yeah. for hungry various and things. Thirsty. Yeah. I mean, it could be. Well, see, it could be a uh, Lester in a way because he's he's hungry to do these shitty things that he's doing, but he's also probably kind of thirsty to live a normal life again. Yeah, he just like doesn't he doesn't want to be caught, mm-hmm. but he's like getting high on the. Mm-hmm. Hey, we made some sense of one of these paradoxes. There we go. Like this one more than the crocodile's dilemma. Yeah, that still pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Yeah. All right. Since we read, oh, we have a couple. We have a couple quotes here. Yeah, we get some quotes. We I, we did actually. I think we did read all of these in the episode, but they are you know they're good. We could pick a favorite. Um, so yeah, um, Mr. Tripoli is not apprehend. Dead. Don't care extramarital. Don't care not related. Kill and be killed. Head in a bag. There's the message. How's that impression? It was great. Thanks. Um, and then I read our our story mm-hmm. and our our bit about the Turkish delight here. Have you ever read Turkish delight? It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I like this story though. I I do. Yeah. That's I think it's it's got just enough atmosphere and foreboding. Mm-hmm. There's a Tom Waits track on orphans called Children's Story. I'm not gonna read it or anything, but it it's kind of a similar story about a a sad kid. <laughs> anyway, that's got, deaths. Yeah, we got a lot of deaths mm-hmm. to carry through here. Um, Don Chump, numbers. Pretty great death. Don Molly, Chump. Dimitri, and Semenko. Semenko. I really feel like there were more than that, but I know. I think we're. Are we missing one? Fish. A lot of fish died. <laughs> Which one's your favorite? I think it's Don. Don is. It's it's. Very iconic. Yeah. Numbers is a great... I mean, Numbers is an intense death. Yeah. If Don didn't die this episode, it would have been Numbers. But yeah, Don just... Jesus Christ. Yeah. And... Um, or Howerton. I think that was the, the most inventive. Like, Molly, we don't even see anything. She's just, yeah, face down on and the ground. And, like, I mean, Numbers goes out and it's, like, like a clever thing for, for Lorne. But it's also sort of, like, of course these two guys are going to, like, fight and yeah. be violent. You know, whereas Don's is just like, what the hell yeah. just happened? Like, <laughs> Just an idiot who ended up in the wrong position. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, Dimitri and Samanko, it's off screen and we just kind of... Yeah. It's sad. I mean, who gives a shit about Samanko? He can fuck off, but Dimitri is sad. Yeah. But yeah, Don totally takes... The... Maybe for, for the whole season. <laughs> yeah, good Christ. All right, and... MVP. MVP. I think we decided it's got to go to Lorne yep. for just being so fucking clever. Lester gets honorable honorable mention. Yeah, he's he's trying. He's uh, Lorne Malvo with training wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lorne tore it up this episode. He really he he got away with everything that he he wanted to get away with. He made no mistakes. I don't think. Yeah, I guess driving. Well, yeah, but even with that, like you know, he didn't get shot. Yeah, he, he got he got out of that pretty, pretty easily, and the mistake was a pretty like common 
like driving type mistake. You know, yeah. like anybody could that could happen to anyone. There's two cars around him. Like who, who would assume that the car in front of you and the car behind you are there to murder you? <laughs> yeah, which is pro- that's probably where he messed up, assuming that like some people weren't out to murder him. You know, I think he yeah. should be on his guard a little bit more. Yeah, but, but I, I think he will be now. Yeah, and I don't think that. But but again, there's there's no way that he would have even known that there was somebody coming after him because the only this is their first interaction, right? Yeah, I just mean like I think he should be on the lookout for yeah. people um, who he, might want to murder him. He also didn't even know that Lester gave him up to them. He he should have known. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> figured that out by now. You've been a bad boy, Lester. All right, and that's uh, that's it, right? Yep. Okay. That's all for our Fargo discussion. Stay tuned after the bells if you want to hear more about what we've been enjoying this week. Next week we'll be covering Season 1, Episode 7, Who Shaves the Barber? That sounds like it's going to be a good uh, good parable. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at FargonPod. And you can email us at FargonConclusionPod at gmail.com. And if you have something nice or terrible to say, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Instagram at ShamePrayer and listen to my band Bold Villain on all streaming platforms. And you can find me on Twitter at TEAflow or check out my website, TiffanyFlowers.co. And until next week, please slow down if it starts raining fish. <laughs> Bells. Episode three, I just did. Episode four, I think, is when we're gonna start doing that. Yeah. Um. No, go ahead. Okay. Um, All right. Well, I think we should save Squid Game for the end because I would like to be a little spoilery about that. But I have finally watched it. Okay. You brought you teased it last time, (laughs) so people already know the kind of synopsis if they haven't watched it already or even heard i feel like everybody knows everybody knows about squid game what squid game is yeah. about even if they haven't seen it um but i want to get into more details i think yeah at the end so that will be a, a spoiler in that event uh, so you 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 saw dune yeah so the- i have no I, I i'm gonna watch dune probably but i don't care if it's spoiled for me so if you just want to go for it I don't know. Um, so I've seen I've seen Dune twice now, the new movie. Yeah. Um, I watched it at home the first time, and I thought it was such a great experience. There's this whole dis- discussion about whether or not like movies that these like cinematic masterpieces should be watched <laughs> at home, and the director made a big deal about how it should be seen in the movie theater. Yeah. Um, and I really loved the experience yeah. at home like and then but then i saw it in imax and of course the sound design was <laughs> super cool but you know if you have like a, a decent like home theater setup yeah. i think it's still just as like whoa this is crazy um it was beautiful um and i'm just i'm all in on the world i've also read the, the book the oh, first really? book now and I have my library hold for the second book in the series. Um, How many books are there? I think there are quite a few, but oh, I think just... there are three in the first like s- chunk of the story. So I think I'm reading 
two more. Mm. But I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if I keep going. I'm more interested for the sake of the movie. And I think the movie did a lot of things better than than the book. They, yeah. um, I don't know, it's not as... Paul feels, the main character, Timothy Chalamet, he feels like a lot more dry. He's like, I, I don't like him at all in the book. But <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, <laughs> let's hang out. Um, he does a great job as Paul. Are you and, a big fan of Timothy Chalamet? You know, I didn't think I was, but the more I see him and stuff, I'm just like, <laughs> I think he's a good actor. I think he does a really good job yeah. in, in everything he's in. And he's uh, like, seems like an interesting person, but... Mm. I, don't know, I feel like I'm too old to have a crush on Timothy Chalamet. He's not. He's how old is he? I don't know. I feel like I he feel like he's like, like 18. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure he's like 25 or something. Though. Yeah, it's probably not bad, but I just don't feel comfortable <laughs> uh, being in that that space. But um, yeah, he does a good job. The the mom is he the is, main character? Yeah, okay. the mom is like a much more complicated figure, and I also think that. Um, Oscar Isaac does a really good job as the, the father figure. Oscar Isaac's great in everything. Um, but he's... So I guess... They... They have to go to this desert planet mm -hmm. to mine the spice <laughs> that comes from the desert. <laughs> and there was there were people that made a lot of money from doing that previously. But now it's timothy chalamet's family that has okay. to go do it and so it's you know very dangerous but potentially lucrative and all of that but his mom is a bene Gesserit, which is like i guess a witch i don't know maybe maybe dune heads will come for me yeah um but it's, it's magical <laughs> you can like um you know you use the voice to command people to do things um the voice the voice what is that you, if you speak in a certain, like, tone, you can have people, like, bend to your will. Okay. Oh, you can watch this on HBO Max? Yes. Oh, cool. I might watch this tonight. Um, Who's still in Scar's Garden? Yeah, it's great, great cast. Uh, Jason Momoa is, like, his friend who's uh, oh, one of the soldiers, and, um... This has fucking everybody in it. <laughs> yeah. Um... But yeah, so Timothy Chalamet's character is a Bene Gesserit, but he's also the son of a duke. And so he kind of has, like, two lineages of, like, things that he's expected to, to do. Okay. Um, it's like a, almost like a royalty kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, hmm. It's very much like a bit of a chosen one story, but there's a lot that makes it more interesting than your typical chosen one story. Yeah. Potentially. Um... But yeah, it's beautiful. Um, the sand worm is great. Do you know about the, the worms? I, I know there's a worm involved. Okay, yeah. It's <laughs> is cool. Well, let me ask you this, because it says on here, it says it's titled on screen as Dune Part 1. Yes, so the... Um, Does it end like cliffhanger? Kind of. It's uh, not like... Oh, like... It's not like you're left on a huge specific mystery but you are kind of just cut off in the middle of the, the story, oh, if really? that makes sense. So it's not, not too big of a deal. And they didn't know if they were going to get another movie when they <laughs> released this. I think it came out a week after um, that they were 
going to green light the yeah. second one. So it would have been really terrible for all the people that <laughs> loved this and wanted to see more. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've read the the first book, and so that carries on that story. Mm. Um, but Was anyway. It, did David Lynch direct the original, the one yeah. in... He, I think he was at least one of the like producers, if he. He was. did. Yeah, it was the director. Okay. Well, in, in uh, he did in 1984. Jesus. So that was like one of his earlier movies. So yeah. anyway, Dune's really cool. It's a little bit less of my personality today, but like four days ago when I was finishing <laughs> the the book, it was like. And I'm going to probably make my parents watch it oh, at some God. point, too, too, so... Now you're a Dune face. Yeah, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Dune head. Well, spe <laughs> speaking of Chalamet, okay. guess what I saw yesterday? French Dispatch? I did. Was it good? Yes. I mean, yes. It's Wes Anderson. Yeah. If you like Wes Anderson, you're going to like the movie. Yeah. I don't want to... Even, even though this is a spoilery section, I don't want to say anything too much about it, but yes, it's very good. I want to see it, but I don't like seeing a bunch of things in theaters, and I don't know if I can... I'll wait right. till it comes out on on a streaming or whatever. There's a lot of really good it. movies though, right now. It's yeah. hard. Yeah, it, oh, yeah. It's not my favorite Wes Anderson movie, but um, it's... What I will say about it is it's told in parts, so it's not... It is a continuous story all the way through, but basically each, you know, it's, I don't want to call it vin vignettes or whatever, but it's like... Kind of like that. So yeah. It's like... It's, yeah, each... I don't even know to say... I, I, won't, I don't even want to say too much about it, but okay. yes, it's good. I like most, it. Most people said that they, I know, said they liked it, but they didn't seem like awed by it or like really... Yeah into it and um they're like yeah it's like a solid like wes anderson yeah. film i think it's interesting that he's he's good enough at what he does where people are like yeah i had a good time and it was like great but i don't know it wasn't as good as these other movies i will say this might be his best movie where uh, involved involved involve, <laughs> i can't talk <laughs> it's i would say this is his best movie with set design you know, I mean, it's all about color palettes and frame and everything. This might be the best he's, the most crazy he's gone with it. Okay. So that's really good. This, I mean, it's no royal Tenenbaums to me. Mm, yeah. But and then you want to talk about Invincible? I just want to say it's if what I'm is not. It? It's based on a comic book, and is it's, it a TV show? Yeah. Okay. And it's on Amazon Prime? Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. I had Amazon Prime for a month, so I watched it in like two days. And yeah, it's just a, it's a superhero show. An extraterrestrial super being coming to the planet, and he falls in love with a human. They have a son who ends up getting superpowers. There's a bunch of super uh, humans on the Earth, and it's just, it's a very dark nasty storyline yeah that you wouldn't expect from like a what's what you would expect to be superman the show yeah really good do you know what uh what kind of comic it is like if it's like it's probably not dc or marvel no I think, uh, it... no it's written by uh the guy who did what's his name frank the guy who does like the walking dead and stuff 
Oh, okay. I think it's Dark Horse that did Umbrella Academy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of similar to that. It's, yeah, it's, um... Oh, Robert Kirkman. Excuse me. Okay. Not Frank something, rather. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he co-created The Walking Dead and stuff like that, so... Interesting. Okay. And Squid Game. I already talked about Succession, which is <laughs> back on, and it's great, and I don't have anything more to say about it other than you should watch it. Um... Yeah, so... Right, Squid Game. Squid Game. I really, really love the old man, and it kind of, it kind of broke my heart to know that His he was behind. His storyline in me. the end. But you guessed it, right? I didn't guess it. I just thought that something was. Yeah, being that they they just show what's it, his name is Gihyun, the main guy. Um, when they just show him walking away, because I mean they show everybody else die. Yeah. They show Ali die. They show that the the girl, the thank you for playing with me, girl die. Being that he was just there. But, I mean, he does a really great job of act, acting in the thing of, like, being a terrified old man after, like, the second game. It's such a wild reveal because it really changes the entire context of every, like, interaction that they had mm -hmm. and a lot of the things that you thought were happening. You know, he asks at the end, like, how much of it was real. Mm-hmm. And I was asking that same question and still trying to kind of piece together... That, that mindset and yeah and just even wild too that like he had the option like he didn't have to be yeah. in there at all because he could have total like he could have but i think that's he wasn't why, there for the money yeah but and he co totally could have actually died like in the in the um the the tug of war oh yeah he could have totally actually died in that one you know they weren't gonna shoot him when they were playing you know red light green light Obviously. Yeah. The first three-fourths of it is so well-written. Yeah, episode six destroyed me, just sobbing uncontrollably for the entire episode, and I didn't even care about... That's the marbles? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even care about the the other girl that joined their, their squad, but I was crying really? at her death. Like, yeah. anyway, and I just felt so bad every time she, she like, was like, oh, we can do that together. Oh no, we can't. Did you guess that the front man was the cop's brother? I had a feeling, yeah. I was pretty sure that he's going looking for his brother. And of course the blackface guy is, not blackface, but this is black mask guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, when they cornered him on the uh, edge of the cliff, I, for sure I was like, okay, obviously. Yeah, he was also a bad cop. Very. He did not cover any of his tracks. And as soon as he <laughs> set that phone down wrong, <laughs> motherfucker you're gonna get caught but it was sort of interesting the way that he's like i want him like brought to me and it was like out of protection and not just because uh he wanted to to kill the guy but i like how they wrote the shitty rich people you know they were they were great bad, did you see that evil characters that chrissy teigen threw a squid game themed party did she no with, no, like, the so. gold masks. Oh, God. And uh, I heard that she was upset that people were, were calling her out on it. But I think that if you want to recreate the rich people sitting around, like, enjoying people. <laughs> like, a poor person could could throw that party and you wouldn't really think anything of it. But Chrissy Teigen and John Lund, Legend <laughs> are very wealthy. Yeah. It's a little creepy. It's a little creepy. Um, I I have this mahjong, mahjong game on my phone, mm -hmm. 
and they do different themed tiles and um, I logged on they had a special thing with the squid game oh, things and I was like I don't know that I want this like I don't think I want to be reminded of this world um, what was your favorite game that they played I think the marbles was the most interesting because I like seeing the different ways that people Dealt could with. do that yeah. I think that I would have been really good at red light green light though because I was a gymnast and so I feel like I could freeze but there yeah. were so many shots during that game where like person looked like they weren't moving at all and then other people yeah see that i mean obviously you got to make it in a certain time limit but yeah like red light green light that seems like it, sh it should have been a lot easier than it was i don't know maybe yeah. I, maybe i mean i would have probably i would have probably died i mean who knows but i, I mean for sure i would have died but i mean i could see a lot of people maybe struggling with some of that coordination and agility but like not that many people mm -hmm. that i don't know another weird thing with the old man that look, you know, looking back on it, once you find out who he really is, you know, he because he cast the deciding vote to end the game on the first run through. Remember? Yeah. So what was it with that? You know, there's just there's certain things that I'm that confuse me in it that I'm just like. Mm. I think that it was um, to let everyone choose to come back. Yeah, because most people did. I don't yeah. know. And I thought that was really clever and interesting because I expected that like. Once we got in there, it would kind of be this like bubble world and we wouldn't get to see much else. And so I really liked that we really did get to see people compare their yeah. lives to what horrors they know <laughs> exist. And they chose that. Yeah. So that's pretty, pretty wild yeah. to, to do. But I just, I appreciated that they ended the game and you're kind of like, wait, where is this going? I thought once we got in there, we would just keep going through. Yeah. And yeah, so I thought that was they did a lot of interesting storytelling things that I wasn't expecting Yeah. when someone's like, oh, it's just like a Hunger Games <laughs> yeah. type thing where you get money. I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting, but I don't know if I want to watch several hours of that, but I was totally hooked. I don't know. It was, it was really good. I, I, I'm looking forward to see another season of it. What did you think of the, the wealthy friend or the, the investment banker friend. Which one? Oh, oh, the, like, who, him and the one who he ends yeah. up in the squid game with at the end? Yeah. I like the first three-fourths. And I like the fact that he's kind of a dick, at, you know, him yeah. killing Ollie. It's him surviving, you know? Yeah. Do it you was... think his ruthlessness is justified? Yes, but then, again, that's what I'm saying. It's just, like, I also, it, like, when it comes to the end, you know, he's just, like, he kills himself. So you went through all that to just... Mm. give up <laughs> you know certain things about the ending that i'm just kind of like that but it's hey it's storytelling yeah i thought like i felt like in the marble game we were really seeing potentially him reconsidering his ruthlessness with ali because like ali's so grateful for like the bus ticket and everything mm -hmm. and like think that oh maybe he's seeing that i have value like as a kind person, you know, like mm -hmm. other, like I can make a difference in the lives of other people and I want to do that. And I really, I thought that he was going to turn over a new leaf there nope. and I was very wrong and I was very <laughs> mad, but I think that that I was, I think that I was seeing seeds of that ultimate decision with yeah. his best friend. God, it was pretty shitty how they killed off the girl, you know, after she had been stabbed with the, with the glass and all that. That felt a little bit. That of, sucked. <laughs> yeah like she deserved a little bit more pomp and circumstance yeah i also i 
was very disappointed about the we called her the crazy woman, which feels pretty derogatory. Um, but the, oh, I, yeah, well, she was crazy. <laughs> she was very wild, she was very chaotic. Yeah. Uh, in in I think an interesting way, but mm-hmm. I could see how a lot of people would. I liked her character. She like graded just enough to be like, oh, what? How is she going to impact things without being over the top annoying? Uh, <laughs> though my brother said that he watched with the the English dub. And her Ugh. voice was very difficult. And I could imagine that being really hard I for always, someone to do. I always just do subtitles. Yeah. I don't, I don't fuck with dubs. Um, but I was disappointed when it seemed like she just was going to get eliminated when she didn't partner up. And I was like, no, that can't be the end of her character. <laughs> I was just waiting for her to kill the gang leader the big guy. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, it was just as satisfying as I wanted it to be. It was perfect. Yeah, just, just yeah, the fierceness you. in her eyes is just like <laughs> that is exactly what I hope that character would do. And that's exactly how I wanted him to be taken out. Tom kept thinking that it was going to be the girl that was like actually part of their team. Yeah, but I don't. It didn't seem like she had nearly as much of an interest in what was going on with that guy. Yeah, I mean, she was there to win, but yeah, like, she wasn't... But she didn't have a vendetta against yeah. him. She just had a bad past with him, mm-hmm. which is pretty much every character by the end of the... Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has a bad time with him. Did you, uh, do you watch Money Heist by chance? No. No? That's another good foreign... Uh, it's, it's a Spanish show. Another good one to watch with... Not with dubs. <laughs> yeah. There's man, yeah. There's there's certain shows on Netflix and and all this that it, Korean. I think we talked when we mentioned Squid Game before. I think I talked about Korean thrillers a little bit before too, right? Maybe. Cause yeah, like I man, years ago I watched Old Boy, uh, I saw the Devil, Sympathy for Mister, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. All these, I don't know what's going on in South Korea, but they know how to make a thriller. Yeah, my uh... real good. <laughs> My friend has Real just bl- about convinced me that I need to start watching K dramas too. Yeah. So, um, well, I'm. I'll give that a go. I'm not entirely sure if that will be up my alley or not, but I like dumb like romantic comedies, and it sounds like the soapy nature of some of these. Next weekend, let's have a movie night, and I'm going to make you guys watch I Saw the Devil, and see if it measures up to Squid Game for you. Okay, sounds good. Because holy shit. <laughs> these movies get it's there's some of them are just so intense all right so i think that's all yeah all the pop culture we've got this time nailed it i'm trying to stop my recording <laughs> all right thanks y'all have a lovely week <laughs>